If you have a copy of God's Word, please turn to 1 Peter and chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we want to read just the, the end of this chapter, really. 1 Peter 2, we're going to break in at verse 18 and read down to verse 25. Here, Peter is writing to the believers in the churches scattered throughout Asia. And here he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. He's speaking to servants, anyone who is in employment. This doesn't just mean someone who has been bought. A servant could be anyone, anyone who is in employment. And therefore, let us hear what God's Word has to say to us. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Amen. We pray that God will speak to us through his word this evening, and that in a moment's time as we come to consider it, that he'll teach us wonderful things from his law. Please turn again to 1 Peter chapter 2. We want to just read one verse just to refresh our memories. 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's the verse 24 that we want to deal with this evening. 1 Peter 2, and the verse 24. Here... Apostle Paul, or the Apostle Peter, speaks about the cross. And he says about Christ, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Let's ask for the Lord's help as we consider the cross this evening. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that it's not what our hands have done. It's not what we have merited, but Lord, salvation is all of Christ. Salvation is all of grace. Salvation is all of mercy. And it's thy power alone, O God, can break the chains of sin in our life. Lord, we pray that tonight as we consider the gospel, 
as we consider that wonderful news of Christ, Lord, make it real to us. Lord, may this just not be an intellectual message. Lord, may it not be just some historical message. Lord, may it not just be something to to tickle people's ears tonight. But Lord, bring us face to face with our Savior on the cross tonight. Help us to see Him there, that man of sorrows hanging for our sins. And Lord, give us the grace to understand it. Give us Thy help, Lord, to take it in, what it meant for Christ, the Holy One, to bear away our sin. Lord, make the cross real to us this evening. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. It's in Jesus' precious name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. You know, smartwatches are wonderful, um, but mine ran out of battery, so I'm sorry if I'm a wee bit longer this evening. You know, you're a regular watch. It doesn't run out of battery for a good while, but if we're a wee bit over time this evening, my apologies. I'm going to have to keep my phone out just to keep me right and make sure that I'm not going over my time. Just you wait until I get you home. I wonder how many of you have heard that before. I wonder, as children, do you hear that from your parents? I remember with my mom and dad, it was usually just you wait until I put you across my knee, and I knew that I was in for it. Now, I don't want to say that that was a commonly, an overly common experience in my childhood. My mom and dad loved me very much, but because they loved me very much, they had to put me across their knee every so often, and I needed it because I was a little terror to them at times. But those words, they filled my young mind with such fear for two reasons. One was because I knew that when I got home, I was going to be punished because I did something wrong. And let's be honest, if I was ever getting punished 10 times out of 10, I was being punished for just reasons, because I deserved it. But the other reason that those words were dreaded to me, the other reason that those words, just you wait until you get home, were so fearful to me, was because that I knew that I had done something that my parents had specifically asked me and specifically told me that I was not to do. Or I had done something that my parents had taught me was wrong. And so I was disappointing my parents by disobeying them. And I'm sure that we have all felt like this before. I'm sure that we all know what that feeling is like. And I'm sure we have all heard those words, just you wait until I get you home. You know, punishment is coming because of something that you did. And it is the same with the gospel. That that truth applies to the gospel as well. We will come to see that we all stand guilty before God. And therefore, we all deserve punishment. And that is bad news. It's bad news to us. No one wants to be punished. No one wants to go through torment like that. But it's what we deserve. But I want you to know tonight that there is good news as well. And that is the gospel. That's the message that we have to proclaim tonight. The good news And it is centered and focused upon one person and his work. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the gospel means. It is good news. And it's good news about a person, Christ, who has died for our sins. And I believe that here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, we really have the gospel summed up very succinctly. Because Peter, he, he, he hits almost every aspect on the head. He says here, who his own self bear our sins in his own body 
on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And therefore I believe in this verse, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, we have the gospel in a nutshell. The gospel in a nutshell. And it is what I would like us to consider for a while this evening. First of all, please notice with me that there are the recipients of the gospel. Because here in verse 24, we read of Peter talking about our sins. Our sins. It's, it's we who receive the gospel. The gospel is universal to all men and women because the gospel applies to us. Why does the gospel apply to us? Because we are the ones who have sinned. We are the ones who have offended God, you and I. It is the same gospel that we present to each one gathered in the service tonight, everyone that is listening online. Before we receive the good news about Jesus Christ, we must realize the bad news that there is about ourselves. And there are certain things that we must come to recognize about ourselves before we can come to see how truly wonderful, and as John Newton said, how truly amazing the grace of God is. Firstly, we must state that every one of us have sinned. And I'm sure that the youngest child in here could tell me that fact. They've learned memory verses, such as Romans 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you turn back just a page there in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14, when Peter here is, is speaking to the believers, he says there, and he mentions there in verse 14 about their former lusts, their former lusts in their ignorance. These believers that Peter was writing to they knew what it was to sin because they had been saved from their sin. They had once sat in darkness. They had once been ignorant to Christ and what He has accomplished for us. And just as we who trust in Christ know that we are saved from sin, these believers knew what it was to be saved, to be redeemed from those former lusts in their ignorance. Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he lists off many different kinds of sins. He talks about those who are thieves, adulterers, and drunkards, idolaters, many, many different sins. And then how does he finish in verse 11? He, he reminds the church, such were some of you. Such were some of you. I don't think that you need me tonight to stand up here in the pulpit and list off many sins so that you can check off which ones you've, you've committed against God. We all know what sin is. We like to teach the children that sin is all the bad things that we think, say, and do. All the bad things that we think, say, or do. And do we not do them every single day? But perhaps you're in the service tonight. You've never put your trust in Jesus Christ. Then those words, such were some of you, or, it, or former lusts in your ignorance, those words can't be said of you because you're still living in ignorance. You're still living in ignorance to Jesus Christ, to all that He has done for you. You're still a sinner who has not experienced the grace and the mercy of God. The Bible tells us that sin, it's an offense to God. Because He is holy, He cannot have sin in His presence. 
And the picture of the word that is used here in, in verse 24 of 1 Peter chapter 2, that word sin there, it gives a word picture of an arrow that misses its mark. Perhaps we could bring it up to modern day standards. I wonder if you were to, to think about a, a target that's sitting there. I have a wee boast that I have to make from the pulpit. And it was that whenever uh, we went on, I believe it was Josh's stag do, we had clay pigeon shooting. We had 20 clays each, and I was the best shot. I got 17 out of 20 shots. I'm still very proud of it to this day. I don't let them forget it. I'm not really that good a marksman. I was at clay pigeon shooting recently for another friend's, and I missed almost everyone. I want you to imagine that there's a target sitting over here. There's a shotgun in my hand ready to hit that target. And just as I say, pull, a twist and fire the other way. That's the word picture that is used here of sin. It's completely missing the mark. Completely missing the mark. We have missed God's standard so badly. We have missed the standard that God wants for us so badly. We have barely even scratched the surface. That is how fallen we are in our sins. How far we have missed God's standard and what He requires of us. The Bible tells us that we have fallen short of God's glory. And because we have not just fallen short of that glory, we have completely failed to get anywhere near the standard of holiness that He requires. Romans chapter 3 tells us there that both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin. We see the news at the moment. I'm sure every preacher spoke on the nation of Israel, the conflict between Israel and Palestine. It doesn't matter if you're Israeli. It doesn't matter if you're Palestinian. It doesn't matter if you're Northern Irish, if you're British, if you're Irish, whatever you may be, whatever nationality you may hold. It says in Romans 3 verse 9, both Jews and Gentiles. That's everyone. That encompasses this world. We are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth, and there is none that seeketh after God. But this is the news. This is the good part. It is we who receive the gospel. You receive the gospel tonight. You are a recipient of the gospel. It is you who the gospel has been given to. The good news. If you are in your sin tonight, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, then you are a recipient of the gospel. The good news of Christ. And this verse mentions being dead to sins, but elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 1 that we are dead in our sins. I know that many times preachers will like to describe sin as a, as a sickness or a disease, an illness that plagues us, and that's good language. It is biblical language. We see that in Isaiah chapter 1. From the, head of our foot to, or from the head to the foot, there's nothing but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. But in reality, sin is so much more than a plague. It's so much more than a disease. Sin is spiritual death. Not just spiritual death. Sin is death. If there was no sin in this world, there would be no death. Sin has killed us spiritually. There is nothing, therefore, that we can do to save ourselves. But we praise Jesus Christ that He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that He is come that they might have life, not death. 
but that we might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Christ has come to overturn death. He's conquered death and he offers life. And therefore, as those who receive the gospel, there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves from the wrath that is due toward us, from the punishment that we spoke of earlier. But it is Christ who can make us alive, Christ who can raise us back to life again by his sacrifice on Calvary. So you tonight, please listen to me. You are a recipient of the gospel. Child of God, you're a recipient of the gospel as well because you enjoy the freedom that is in the gospel, the freedom that's in Christ. There are the recipients of the gospel, those who are in their sins. Secondly, and this is really where I want to major on this evening, there is the Redeemer of the gospel because now we come to think about the subject of this verse, the precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is He who is spoken of here. These verses at the, at the close of 1 Peter chapter 2, they're given to us to show that Jesus is, is an example to all who will believe in him. We see that in verse 21. It says there that Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. But please don't misunderstand the scriptures this evening. Please don't misunderstand what the Bible is teaching tonight. Jesus' death upon the cross was not just some example as some churches will have you believe. It wasn't some mere example of, of love and how we should love one another and we should give ourselves for one another. Christ wasn't just showing an example of sacrificial love. It wasn't some mere martyrdom. It was not the death of someone that was religious and so he's an example for all Christians to be willing to die for our neighbor. No, please do not take that away this evening. Christ's death on the cross is so much more than just an example. It is an example for us. It is all of these things. But it is so much greater. So much greater. There are some very important things to note from this verse. Note the words there, his own self. His own self. In the original Greek, this word, it's one word. His own self. It's one word in the original language. It literally means he himself. It's used to place emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the focus of the entire scriptures, and he more specifically is the focus of this verse. Perhaps you like country music tonight as you're in the service. Perhaps you like country music as you're listening online. And I'm sure if you do, you're bound to know the name Alan Jackson. And Alan Jackson, he... He wrote a chorus. He wrote a song called It's All About Him. And the chorus, it says, it's all about him and the love that he gives. Redemption and hope for all who have sinned. The gospel, my friend, is all about him. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption alone can be found in him. Salvation alone can be found in his blood. The original word, he himself, it also points us to the fact that in the work of redemption, in the work of our salvation, Christ was the one on the cross. He was the one alone who purchased our redemption. It was Jesus Christ and he only who accomplished our salvation. We know that salvation, it is a Trinitarian work. All three members of the Godhead are involved in our salvation. As Adrian Rogers said, it, it was God the Father who thought it. 
It was God the Son who bought it, and it was God the Holy Spirit who wrought it. God the Father made the plan of redemption back in eternity past. Before we were ever born, He thought of redemption for a people. God the Holy Spirit, he, he takes the redemption that Christ purchases for us and He applies it to us. He quickens us. He brings us back to life again in Christ. But it was Jesus Christ who accomplished redemption. It was Jesus Christ who died on the cross of Calvary for you, bearing your sins. Hebrews 9 verse 28 says there, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I wonder, my friend, as you're gathered tonight, will you look to Jesus for salvation? Because it's only to be found in him. Notice also that word bear. The word bear in verse 24. This word is a significant word in the verse because it's the key verb. It's what Christ did. It's the action that Christ performed. He bare our sins in his own body. And so what? <laughs> what does that verb mean to you? What does it mean to me? Well, it literally means to take up or to carry. And what was it that Jesus Christ took up and carried? It was our sin and our iniquities. Matthew 8 verse 17 says there, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But then what does that verse say about us? It says, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. The word picture here in that verb is an interesting one as well. Because it gives us the picture of, of animals that were brought to the place of sacrifice. Sacrifices being made upon an altar. All the sacrifices that you can read of in the Old Testament, they have their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. They all point forward to the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Christ, Jesus, who would one day come, that Lamb without blemish and spot, who would be sacrificed on the altar. They all had their fulfillment in Christ. And therefore, in that sense, the altar, it was the cross. The sacrifice was Jesus Christ himself. And why did he offer up himself as a sacrifice? So that you and I, who have sinned against him, who have only rebelled against him, who have only dishonored his name in our life, so that we could be redeemed. So that you could be brought into his family. Do you not want to know that joy that there is of sins forgiven tonight? knowing that you have the Lord on your side, knowing that you're no longer an enemy of the one who has created you, but you're now one of his own dear children, one who is the object of his affection. You can know him tonight. We ask the question, well, where then? Where did he bear our sins to? If this verse tells us that he bare our sins in his own body, where did he bear them to? Psalm 103 verse 11 says, as far as the east, is from the West, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. I'm glad that it didn't say from the North to the South, because you can keep going to the North and you will find the North of our Earth. You can go to the South and you will get to the most Southern Pole of this world, but you travel East, you'll never reach the most Eastern point because you'll keep going round and round. The world is round, it's not flat. 
You'll keep going round and round if you go east. It'll keep going round and round if you go west. And so what that's saying is he has removed perfectly our transgressions. When Christ deals with our sin, it is gone, never to be remembered again. Notice with me also the words, in his own body. In his own body, it's a reference to the physical torment that Christ suffered. He suffered in his body. The Bible tells us just in the previous verse there, in verse 23, that he was reviled. He was reviled. That word, it literally means to be abused. Christ was abused when he was here in this world. Christ was abused by Roman soldiers who beat him, mocked him, and scorned him. Christ was abused on the road to Calvary as he carried his own cross. Christ was abused when he was placed on the cross, kneeled to that cross. Why? For your sins. To bear away your sins. That's why Christ went to the cross. Why he suffered that reviling. To bear your sins in his own body. And our sins were placed upon him at the cross. It says there in Romans 6 verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man, it is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. And henceforth, we should not serve sin. Christ had to become man in order to take away our sin. Christ had to become a man in order to take away your sin. Romans 8 verse 3, God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Christ had to become man so that He could bear your sins away. We sang that little chorus at the start, and that's why I wanted us to sing it. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt that I could not pay. Do we ever ponder to think of how wonderful that is? Yours was the sin. His was the punishment. Yours was the debt. He was the one that paid it for you. Christ paid the debt for you so that you could go free so that you could be saved. But notice it says also in this verse that he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. On the tree. And the tree has great significance in the Scriptures. While upon the cross, Jesus Christ felt an agony in his spirit that we will never experience in this life, that we will never be able to truly fathom or truly know. He cried on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Galatians 3 verse 13 says there that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. On the cross, Christ was cursed on your behalf. It finishes off in that verse and says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. None of us will ever understand the spiritual suffering that Christ endured on the cross. He was forsaken by his own father. The full wrath of your sin, the punishment that was due for your sin, was unleashed upon the Son of God. As that beautiful hymn, His Robes for Mine, puts it, I cling to Christ and marvel at the cost. Jesus forsaken, God estranged from God. 
that suffering, that is torment that we will never fully fathom. Why did he do it? John 3.16, God so loved. Loved freely. And in this chapter, we see a parallel with Isaiah chapter 53. We read there at the end of this verse, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter here is, is bringing a direct reference from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 53. I'm sure you all know the words in verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. This is the Redeemer of the Gospel. This is Jesus Christ. And I wonder tonight, I ask you the question this evening, do you know Him? I'm not asking, do you know about Him? I'm asking you, have you ever come to truly know Him as your Savior, as your Redeemer? If your answer is no, let me ask you a further question. Why not? Why have you never asked Him to be your Savior? What is holding you back? Do you see how wonderful His offer of salvation is? What are you waiting for? My earnest plea to you is tonight, come and know Jesus Christ and know His salvation. We've thought about the recipients of the gospel. We've thought about the Redeemer, Jesus Christ Himself. And lastly, I want us to consider the renewal in the gospel. Because once we're saved, that's not the end of it. As Mr. Higginson spoke this morning, once we're saved, it's not just a free ticket to heaven. That's not what salvation is. Once we are saved, we're given new life. New life to enjoy here in this world. It's called the new birth. And now, as Peter says in verse 24, that we being dead to sins... We're no longer walking after sin. We're no longer walking after pleasure in this world, but we're walking after Christ, following in His steps. He calls us to be holy because Christ is holy. And we are to be holy in every aspect of our lives. We're to live lives that are no longer dominated by sin, but instructed by the Word of God. And if you're saved in here this evening, let me address you specifically. If you're a child of God, let me speak to you tonight. You are righteous now, and that is your standing before God. You're as righteous now as you will ever be. That word righteous, it means declared as right or accepted in the sight of God. And that is your current state as a child of God. You are righteous. You may not feel righteous, but that is God's declaration on your life. Because of what Christ has done, you have been made righteous. Yes, we want to strive after holiness. Yes, we want to strive after being like Christ. But if you're a child of God, then your standing is tonight that you are righteous. You'll be no more righteous in heaven as you are now this very time, because it's your standing before the Lord. If you're saved today, if you've accepted the Lord as King of your life, then today you are righteous. And here he says that we should live unto righteousness, live a life that is according to that righteousness that Christ has given us, live a life worthy, as another writer says, of your salvation. 
So let me ask that question to you, child of God. Is that our testimony? Are we walking worthy of our calling? Are we walking worthy of that salvation that Christ has purchased for us? Am I living unto righteousness? I have to be honest from the pulpit, not always. I feel the Lord many times. Many times. But I wonder, are we actively striving to live unto righteousness? To obey God's word, to make it our guide through life every single day. We are renewed. We are made new creatures, the Bible says. And therefore, to live lives that glorify God. Sinner, let me address you as we close this evening. Will you not come to Christ tonight? We have presented you the gospel once again. He has borne your sins in his own body on the tree. If you will only but come to him. If you will accept his offer of salvation. He has died to remove your sins from you. And so I urge you tonight, turn away from your sin and place your trust in Jesus Christ. We have looked this evening at the gospel in a nutshell. It's the good news. Jesus died for you. So come to him. Come to him tonight and know the joy of sins forgiven. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that Christ bore away our sins in his own body on the tree. Lord, we thank you that he was the perfect Savior, that he was the perfect substitute for us, that he took our punishment that we rightly deserved at the cross of Calvary. Lord, for the child of God tonight, help us to be ever thankful for thee. Help us to be ever thankful for the salvation, for the righteousness that we have been given in Christ. Help us ever to be thankful that we now stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, for any that is outside of Christ, for any that does not know Thee this evening, Lord, I pray, draw them effectually by Thy Spirit this evening. Show them, Lord, how far they have fallen short of Your holy standard. Show them, Lord, how they have sinned against You, and therefore they are worthy of endless punishment. But Lord, show them Christ, hanging on a cross with those arms stretched out wide, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I pray, write thy word upon our hearts. Take us home in safety, Lord, we pray, and bless the good things that have been provided after this service. May our fellowship be sweet in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our only Redeemer. Amen.